Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. It is the holidays. Christmas carols are are, are a flutter. They're a flutter? I don't know. Let's uh, try that again. <laughs> no, I like it. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music. Have you? I have, actually. Uh, we got our Christmas tree pretty early this year because people were panic buying them at first. Yeah. And the one lot near us was sold out. So we like freaked out and said, well, we got to get a tree. So we got one November 29th or something. I heard this was all bullshit. I don't know. So I started listening to Christmas music in November, which is early for me. However, there are a couple of records that I love that are Christmas records. And I've been enjoying my extra time with them. So yeah. So I've been listening to quite a bit of Christmas music. Okay been racking up the christmas lps over the years that's the perfect way to listen to christmas music i wonder if you have the lp of the song that we will discuss today man that has me has me thinking yeah i'm excited to dive in it has been a couple of weeks since our last episode uh we actually have one in the can that'll be coming out after christmas it was a really fun really intense episode uh with a guest I mean, we were chatting for hours, just kicking it, and also had a couple of technical difficulties, so we're we're getting through them, but everyone should be ready for uh, back-to-back episodes here Ooh. coming up, so it'll be, uh, it'll be a Christmas miracle. It will be, but you know, that's the thing. We, we talked about, months ago, we talked about having a, a Christmas episode, or doing more themed episodes during the holiday seasons. A very special episode of You Wanted a Hit. <laughs> well, we couldn't let Christmas go by without acknowledging the the plethora of Christmas songs there are out in the world. Uh, many great ones, some odd ones, uh, and, and some downright terrible ones, if you ask me. <laughs> and I had a list of <laughs> possible songs, small list of songs that are, are popular Christmas songs that I thought are kind of odd uh, and, and unlikely, if you will. But I kept coming back to the very first one that I thought about. It's a song that I find unbelievably annoying, uh, but it is a Christmas classic for some household. And for the first time ever, we have a song that I think you already know exactly the song that we're going to cover because you guessed it yesterday. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, jingle ding jing. It's Dominic the Donkey. Uh, jingle ding jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. I mean, I don't even have to say what it is. They already did. I mean, one of the most obnoxious Christmas songs of all time. It doesn't bother me that much, but I also, I, I know it, but I didn't hear it a lot growing up. So um, I'm maybe a little less annoyed by it because I've probably consciously heard it. I don't know. Like, 50 times well i think we'll, we'll we'll touch on maybe why you didn't hear it a ton early on in your childhood maybe uh, but maybe you've heard it more lately uh we, we will get to that well, before we do i'm so excited we're doing a christmas episode and it worked out so well 
that I stopped to get some Sierra Nevada today Yeah, at our cool bike shop market outpost around the corner. And they didn't have the ones we normally pick up, uh, the, the hazies, but they had the assortment of Sierra Nevada seasonal. Oh, wonderful releases. So right now I'm drinking their annual celebration holiday, uh, fresh hop IPA and it is delicious. Also picked up the narwhal uh, seasonal imperial stout. So having a great time over here. Well, getting real festive. I guess I will. Uh, I will crack a a holiday beer as well. Lovely. Let's okay. go. Can snack pops. Let's jump into this song. This song is uh, is performed by Lou Monti. Uh, he is known as the Godfather of Italian humor. Oh. He was born in 1917 in New York, but quickly moved across the river, and he was raised and, and spent his formative years in New Jersey. I read that he was born Louis Scaglione, uh, but then I also read that his real name might be Luigi Scaglione, and I'm going to go with Luigi, because that's a great name. Okay, let's call him Luigi. Uh, he is known for his Italian-themed novelty records, and I would say that this one definitely fits that bill. Prior to Dominic... Uh, his biggest hit was called Lazy Mary, which is a remake of the Italian song Luna Mezze Mer, which is a much more traditional Italian jam that you probably hear walking through the streets of Little Italy. It's actually apparently still played during the seventh inning stretch of New York Mets games. Really? So next summer, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to keep a listen out. Yeah. Wait, we might do a little field trip. Let's go. I'm in. Up to City Field. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, so Luigi, Lou. Started playing music in 1940s, but he put his career on hold uh, to enlist in the army during World War II. All right. When he returned, he started playing uh, in clubs in Manhattan and New Jersey again. And it was in New Jersey when Joe Carlton, an A&R rep from RCA Victor Records, first saw Lou after seeing him perform in a spaghetti joint south of Secaucus. Which I only put that in there because that's a great line. What is that? A spaghetti joint south of Secaucus. Secaucus being a city in New Jersey and a spaghetti joint, I guess, being like a pasta restaurant. <laughs> but I'm quickly going to change my Wi-Fi okay. name to spaghetti joint south of Secaucus because <laughs> I think it's wonderful. <laughs> this is already just fantastic. <laughs> so if you're like me and you hate the song, you have never actually stopped to consider what it's actually about. So I'm going to break it down. Do you know what the song is about? I don't, but I I think I just took it on its face that it was just about a Christmas donkey. Yeah, that's about right. So <laughs> I wasn't aware of this, and maybe you were, uh, but it turns out that Santa, who delivers toys to children around the world via his reindeer, uh, who can fly. I've heard of him. I like his earlier stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Santa uh, has the ability to deliver toys everywhere, but when he gets to Italy, the reindeer, while they can fly, have trouble getting up the steep Italian mountains. And so Santa has to call on his Christmas donkey friend, Dominique. And Dominic helps Santa deliver all the toys to the Paisans, as the song goes, which I learned that Paisan, Paisano, is a person who shares one's place of origin, a compatriot, especially among Italians or people of Italian descent. Okay. It could also mean a person associated with the Italian mafia. Oh. But we'll get, we'll get to that later. Ooh. As the song goes, Santa and the donkey help deliver presents, mainly clothes and shoes, which are all interestingly made in Brooklyn, or as Lou sings, Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, and Dominic not only helps Santa 
he apparently is also a lovely dancer and is often caught dancing the La Tarantella. I don't think I've ever heard this entire song. Do you want to listen? Or, to I don't. Sorry, I don't think I've ever listened to the lyrics of this entire song. Like, I'm sure I've been somewhere where it's on. No, no one pays attention to it though. I'm gonna send it to you just so you can uh, experience it in all of its glory. Just for the you know for the sake of the podcast, I feel okay. like it has a great cover. So it would be a an LP that you should buy just for the cover, which you'll see here in the video. Like all of our songs, the more I listen to it, the more I enjoy it. So <laughs> now you're really into that upright bass line. Yeah, like that's all I really know is just the eon eon la da 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 iconic. I don't, know if, I don't know if iconic is the right word. I think it is. <laughs> Memorable, maybe, but... Questions are coming to mind that I'm no, sure I'm not going to go much more to the song. I don't know. Well, I mean, you're right. The song on its face is, is, well, is pretty, uh, pretty lyrically. simple. Uh, it does mix in some, some Italian words here and there, uh, mainly of southern Italy uh, origin. And Italian instrumentation and melody. and Yeah. Which I think a lot of his songs are very similar in in melody construction because they are just like kind of fun novelty songs of sorts. So he's not doing anything like, you know, terribly ambitious right. when it comes to the, the backing music of his songs. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, Monty was making music and injecting Italian culture into the mainstream at a time when Italians were still very marginalized in society. So he was actually doing some some good with his goofy songs. And that brings us to uh, a bit of the, uh, you know, I wouldn't say controversy, but uh, rumored controversy of this song. So uh, apparently, as rumor has it, that this song has strong ties to the mob, oh. uh, most specifically the Gambino crime family. It, it is said that the Gambino crime family uh, is said to have financed the recording of this song in an effort to bring more Italian influence into pop culture. Uh, so you're saying that this uh, this particular Christmas classic that's beloved by children everywhere couldn't have been possible without racketeering, gambling, various other activities. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. Okay. But uh, no, this is the rumor. Uh, and for those who, who don't know about the, the Campinos, uh, they are one of the five families uh, that, that dominated mafia activity, primarily in New York, but you know, really around the country, uh, named after Carlo Gambino, who ran the organization in the 60s. And I'll just give you, I don't know if we'll keep this in the episode, but just for, for our fun to, to talk about all the, the Gambino crime boss deaths, Carlo Gambino, he took over the organization after he killed the former boss, Alberto Anastasia. Prior to the Gambino family, Anastasia ran an organization called Murder Incorporated, which, <laughs> badass name. They're said to have killed between 400 and 1,000 people in contract killings. Gambino died of natural causes and ceded power upon his death to his brother-in-law, Paul Castellano. However, Castellano was killed by John Gotti. Oh. John Gotti was taken down by the FBI in the 1990s, famously. Right. And most recently, the Gambino family was in the news because of their latest boss, Frank Cali, or he was killed outside of his home in Staten Island in 2019 by a QAnon supporter who thought Cali was a part of the deep state. Oh, wow. Yeah. We have already covered quite a bit of ground with Dominic the Christmas donkey. Well, here's the thing. So every article I've read says that there is like a rumor that the Gambino family helps finance Dominic the Christmas donkey. However, none of them have any facts about that. There's okay. nothing about it. There's no stories about it. Uh, I, I looked far and wide and I couldn't find anything, but I dug deeper 
And you know what I did find? Please tell. I found that there might be a connection to another mafia family. What? After RCA, Monty signs with Roulette Records, who then releases Dominic the Donkey, amongst other hits. Is this this, uh, an indie at the time? It would have been at the time, and and probably always was. They they were pretty instrumental in a lot of uh, music. It's the 50s and 60s. -hmm. Roulette Records was founded by George Goldner, John Kolsky, Phil Call, and last but not least, Morris Levy. Now, Morris Moshi Levy. Now, if you got a nickname, you know we're talking about mafia here. (laughs) Morris Moshi Levy is very connected to the mafia, and specifically connected to the Genovese family which is another one of the five families. In a HuffPost article I read by Joel Sucker, uh, he said that Moshi was a mobbed-up record exec who owned a network of record labels, pressing plants, record stores, and above all, musical groups. Everybody from Frankie Lamon and Count Basie to Joe Williams and Aaron Neville. And by own, he means owning copyrights, publishing, really anything that can make this guy money. Right. The article went on to talk about, while young singers like Frankie went to Moshi with stars in their eyes, Moshi only saw dollar signs. In exchange for a recording contract, he dole out a few bucks, and that pretty much was the end of the negotiations. Royalties, good luck. Copyrights, Moshi owned those. Have a problem with that? Go tell it to the judge. And just to demonstrate his confidence in the legal system, he created another record label, which was named Emus, E-M-U-S, which backwards is Sumi. <laughs> this guy's great. Wow. This is like musical racketeering. Like he he owns every level of the process. Oh, it absolutely is. I read somewhere that he owned like 60 some record stores. Wow. Billboard magazine called him one of record industry's most controversial and flamboyant players. Variety called him the octopus for his far reaching control disproportionate to the size of his companies in every area of the record business. (laughs) Moshi the octopus. Al Sharpton at one point worked as an informant for the FBI and allegedly wore a bug to go meet Moshi and uh, some members of the Genovese families. And that was part of the investigation. I have no idea how Al Sharpton's involved in this, but he is. Uh, this is blowing my mind, all of this. So Moshi was portrayed by Paul Mazareski in the Net 98 feature film, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Oh. And he was morphed into Herman Hesh Rabkin, friend and advisor, to Tony Soprano in the long-running HBO series. Wow. All ties go back to Dominic Christmas Donkey. Dominic Christmas Donkey, who Moshi uh, was very involved with. There are other tales of Moshi working closely with the Genovese family. He would later be indicted on a variety of federal charges, including extortion, and was implicated by the FBI in many different investigations surrounding organized crime. In addition to Roulette Records, Moshi also owned the Roulette Room, and during the FBI's investigation, uh, it was found out that he used the roulette room as a front for Vincent Giganti, who was the alleged boss of the Genovese crime family, and that Levy mm-hmm. had ties to organized crime for over 20 years. So he appealed. Uh, he lost all of his appeals, but he died of cancer shortly before having to report to prison. So that is the, the end of Moshi. But he lives on forever in the hearts of children everywhere. He does. And there's your tie. <laughs> in my opinion, that is the tie of Dominic the Donkey. To organize crime. Well, it sounds like there might be two ties. There might be more. Who knows? Moshi released Dominic the Christmas Donkey. That's correct. 
but we think it may have also been bankrolled by the Gambino crime family. That's what every article says. This might have been one of the biggest crossover events in history. Two crime families coming together to release a now Christmas classic. Well, you know, Christmas does uh, does bring families together. So <laughs> perhaps. Uh, I think, it, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, conjecture out there and, and rumors. I, I, I have not dug into this too much, but apparently... The FBI and, and famously J. Edgar Hoover spent years trying to tie Sinatra to, to different mob families. That's my speaker. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but uh, that's something I, I do would love to dig more I into. I've heard something about that. It sounds about right. So back to Dom to the Donkey. Dom. You mean Let's go Dom? To chart history. Uh, Dom. Dom the Donk. At the time of its release, it did not hit the Billboard Hot 100. Really? Why not? Well, apparently it reached number 14 <laughs> oh. on Billboard's. Bubbling under the Hot 100. Okay, yeah. Which I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you have any idea what the number one song in December of 1960 was, or at least uh, the week of Christmas, December 1960? Do I know that song? You do. Is it a Christmas song? No. Hmm, that's right, because they used to release music around the holidays that wasn't Christmas music back in the day. Uh, you'll never guess the nine, two through nine, and two through ten. Uh, but the number one song at the time was an Elvis Presley song, and it was Are You Lonesome Tonight? Oh. Yeah. Kind of, kind of uh, in the spirit, though. So interesting that you mentioned Christmas being a big time for releases. Uh, are you familiar with the UK's Christmas chart? Yes. Okay. So every year, this is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, the UK Christmas chart is really just essentially the UK singles chart, uh, but the week of Christmas is just more prestigious. And to get the number one song. On the week of Christmas, is called getting the Christmas single. It's a big deal, apparently. Um, I had vaguely heard about this uh, from different times. But in 2011, there was a big push for Dominic the Christmas Donkey to be that song. And it has something to do with the Chris Mould show, uh, which I believe was on Radio 1. And I, I think this is why Dominic the Christmas Donkey is actually popular. I don't think it was popular really? at all until 2011. And this is why I don't think we necessarily heard it growing up until a little bit later in life because apparently there was a regular contributor to the show dominic Byrne. so during the christmas season during on the show everyone uh suggested or to listeners that they go download dominic the christmas donkey on itunes which led to the song being the number two song on itunes between december 19th and christmas and it got to number three in the UK's Christmas chart in 2011 only being beaten by an x-factor winner and a charity record Typically during this time, it's usually a song that has to do with charity, uh, Christmas song, obviously, or more of a novelty song. And so as, at the same mm. year, there was a, a big campaign for the re-release of Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, which did not win. And Dominic the Donkey came in front of Nirvana. Wow. Novelty song, yeah. you say. <laughs> well, So you're saying that Dominic Christmas Donkey came out, did okay for what it is and then kind of disappeared until i think it came out in 1960 and was only popular in new jersey got it and, and like with the, with italian family and for some reason had this resurgence and i think the resurgence helped to have a resurgence everywhere because in 2014 dominant the christmas donkey finally gets in the billboard hot 100 <laughs> peaking at number 69 during christmas of that year he's moving up in the stables he is. He is. I mean, I've talked about this song with multiple people. A couple people have mentioned it for the podcast. So, I mean, clearly, it's it's it is well known. But yeah. now, when it comes up, I want to ask people 
if they remember hearing it as a kid. You know what? Dominic is not the only Christmas donkey. What? Yeah. I didn't know this. Uh, so there's another Christmas donkey. Uh, have you heard of Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey? I think I have. You might have. So Yeah. Nestor. I think I know Nestor. It's a little bit more religious than Dominic. Right. Uh, and he shares a lot of traits with Rudolph, uh, another Christmas favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Rudolph. N- Christmas mammal. Yeah. Nestor has his own ABC stop-motion holiday film, which came out oh, uh, yeah. in, yep. in the 1970s. Yeah. Uh, the film is actually inspired by a country song written by Gene Autry and a few other folks. Have you heard right. this song? I actually think that might be why yeah. this was top of mind for me, because I bought a Gene Autry Christmas record like two years ago. I always play it because it's like the, the most iconic version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is on that album. That's true. That is, Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Everyone knows about Rudolph. Our fleet I gotta say, though, I think the whole concept the of Nestor, the long-eared donkey, is a, is a, a bit far-fetched. <laughs> More far-fetched than uh, donkeys, flying donkeys climbing the, the Italian Alps. So, Nestor, uh, for, for those who don't want to spend five minutes listening to the beautiful song, uh, the story of Nestor uh, begins in ancient Roman times. And uh, Nestor, much like Rudolph, is made fun of for his appearance, uh, where Rudolph got made fun of for his light-up nose. Uh, Nestor gets made fun of for his long ears that drag on the ground, uh, which, you know, most donkeys have, have short ears. So, how it goes, through a bunch of strange events, Nestor is banished uh, into a snowstorm where his mother sacrifices her life to save Nestor's life. And then Nestor meets an angel, and through some other random events, Nestor ends up leading Mary and Joseph to safety so they can have their baby, Jesus, born safely in a manger. It sounds like some crime thing. Well, I mean, maybe so. Uh, but that is the story of Nestor. And uh, I had no idea that there were multiple Christmas donkeys. Uh, I love the idea. Do we know if there's any connection between Nestor and Dominic? Like, is there inspiration or... Because Gene Autry, I mean, those songs were out around the same time. Yeah, but I don't think Nestor came out until mid to late 70s. So this would have been a good... Oh, the song, Yeah, too. it would have okay. been a good bit of time afterwards. When they were airing more of those uh, stop-motion Christmas specials, uh, Rankin-Bass Christmas, Christmas specials. But we're talking about Dom. Back to Dom. Because Dom's the alpha donkey. Let's I don't be know, honest I, here. I don't know much about Nestor. Back to Dom. Back to Lou. Uh, where are they now? Well, unfortunately, Lou is dead. Uh, like many great New Yorkers, uh, he was born in Manhattan, and he died in Pompano Beach, Florida. <laughs> he, he does still have a website, and I'm going to send this website to you because uh, it is just a glorious GeoCities-type website. It's exactly oh. what you want. and. On the homepage of the website, they are selling a Greatest Hits Part 2. And <laughs> this says, this CD is limited. So be one of the first to get its, this collector CD while supplies last. And then you go down a couple lines where it tells you where you can mail your check or money order <laughs> in order yes. to purchase this CD. And you'll notice that Ray Monty is the, the person you'd be sending this check and or money, money order to. Ray Monty is Lou Monty's son. Uh, and Ray Monty, uh, at the time, was a singer. Uh, I don't know if he still is. Well, it looks like, for booking information, call Ray directly at 201-818-1629. I am so tempted to call Ray right now. I, he might answer. Should we get him on the show? 
little bit late, a little bit late here in New York for him. But this website's just this amazing, is fantastic. Huh? I think everyone should visit lumonti.com. Check it's it awesome. out. Full yeah. discography. A lot of also just a lot of uh, biography here on Lou. Probably left out some of the things that we have discussed, but uh, I definitely want to listen to the Italian cowboy song. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I did did all this research, and I actually didn't read anything that's actually on LouMonti.com. So uh, if I got anything wrong, because I did not go directly to the source. Well, if this isn't a selling point for everyone visiting the website and checking out Lou's stuff, uh, I don't know what is. Uh, it states that Monty's humor dealt with the common themes of marriage, courtship, sexual relationships, and food. None of the songs that I listened to today by Lou Monty had anything to do with any of those topics. That means he covers so much more. I mean, what else do you need? But okay. <laughs> I guess food. Food. Actually, there is one. So after the uh, the the petering success of Dominic the Donkey, Lou would come out with his, his biggest song, his first multi-million selling album, uh, Peppino, the Italian Mouse. Oh, okay. Uh, Peppino peaked at number five in the Billboard 100. Uh, so while he is a novelty guy, he has had some success. Peppino's was a Pennsylvania pizza place that I frequented as a youth. I don't remember there being any mouse paraphernalia in there. Uh, might have been some mice, though. Might have been actual mice. Yeah, you don't want to go to a pizza shop where they're like showing off mouse, mice, mouse, outside of Dominic and Pepino. There's also Pepino's friend Pasquale, the Italian Pussycat, which is the sequel to Pepino, followed by Paulucci, mm-hmm. the Italian parrot, and Paul Revere's horse, right. which is uh, in, in quotations, uh, Bacicalup. Love so it. clearly there is some sort of like anthropomorphism theme going on in his catalog. I, I think that there should have been a cartoon series with all of these, like a, like a team of all these characters. Damn, you know what? If fucking Moshi didn't go down for racketeering, <laughs> he might have had that idea. Another banger that I found uh, is called What Did Washington Say? And this is a song about what George Washington probably said while he was crossing Delaware River. So let me send this to you. I think you should give this one a listen. Uh, Also, the cover of this album is great because it's blue drinking what looks to be some sort of like Italian Amaro. Basically, like, touching his ear like he would have a cell phone or, like, a Bluetooth, but definitely didn't. Ahead of his time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, like, signaling something. He's, he's got a pinky ring. I'm kind of into the song. Let me read you some of the lyrics uh, to this banger. Um, so Martha, you know, Martha Washington. Uh, yeah. This is uh, Martha baked these pizza pies, and now they're cold as ice. Wait a minute. <laughs> We'll sell them. We'll sell them to the Indians at only half the price. Please row a little faster, boys. I got no time to kill. Tonight I'm posing for my picture on the dollar bill. And then later, uh, at, at another refrain, George stood up and told his men, "Keep going, please don't stop. These boats are only rented, and we've got till six o'clock. It's against the rules. We can't go rowing after dark. We've got to get these rowboats back to good old Central Park." I have. A lot of questions, uh, but it's pretty obvious that in this genre, or maybe just lose stuff, everybody's Italian. Everyone's Italian. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what the thing was. Like, he would inject like, it, it, fun Italian oh, it's so good to, you know, historic references or, or funny stories. 
Well, like, where did the rental boats come from? Like, no just, oh, because he wants it to be like it happened in present day New York. I guess so, yeah. Like 1950s New York. If yeah. it were then, you know, they're going to go get the pedal boats from, yeah. from the lake in Central Park. I think that's correct. <laughs> oh, man. So that's Lou. I love Lou. That's Dominic the Donkey. Uh, I doubt there's really much story on how he came up with Dominic the Christmas Donkey. It sounds like it was just made up a story about an Italian donkey <laughs> at Christmas. Well, there is actually, there, there's a little bit of, of reference to it. Um, and I actually, I read a couple quotes and articles from like professors mm-hmm. and historians and whatnot. And, and really all they say is that like, you often see donkeys and, and back in the olden days, like you would use donkeys to traverse around Southern Italy. So right. uh, going back to his roots, that's what yeah. he's referencing. That's what he's pulling out. Let's say hypothetically, hypothetically, uh, you were inventing stories about Santa Claus and you were writing the story and you lived in like, you know, the woods and the, the Arctic. Maybe you would like reference reindeer because like reindeer are in your backyard. So you're like, oh, right. well, someone's going to pull a sleigh. It should be these reindeer here. I think the same thing is happening here. I see these guys making lots of money with the reindeer. What do I know from Italy? We got donkeys. <laughs> I like thinking about Lou's universe where he knows that the reindeer can't get up those Italian mountains. Mm-hmm. So they use donkeys. But I want to know like what's going on in Chile. What's going on in the Himalayas? Like what animals are coming in and saying, Hey reindeer, we got this. Well, that's where you can see my confusion when I first started researching this, because I was not aware that the reindeer couldn't go everywhere. But then you're right. right. I, I started thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. There are mountains in lots of places. Around the world, alpacas are coming in. Yeah. Saying, hey, we can do this. In Australia, I mean, who knows? It sounds like there was a, uh, an entire market that Lou could have tapped into <laughs> and decided not to. Or maybe he just wanted to keep it in the family. Keep it Italian. Boy, when George Washington's in your family, you got to keep I, it Italian. I don't think George Washington is Italian. <laughs> but We are... Living in Lou's universe. Fair, okay, fair, fair. With uh, Paulucci, the parrot. You know, Lou, dead. His son, maybe still singing. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. give him a call later. Dominic does live on a little bit. In 2016, author Shirley Allery uh, released two books, uh, a, home, a New Home for Dominic and A New Family for Dominic. Oh. And Mental Floss described these as a two-part children's book about the beloved jackass which I just appreciate it. Yes. But more to the point, in 2018, Jersey native Joe Bacon, Bacon uh, dropped a, a, a smash hit, Dominique, which is a sequel, a sequel to Dominique, and the song tells the tale of how Dominique's son takes over for his aging padre. Uh, it's not as good, but it has an amazing cover, and I am going to send this to you right now. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Spelled just as you would think it is. <laughs> this is more of like a loungy, like Richard Cheese kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this was a delight. Yeah. I thought you uh, had fun. This fun went in a lot of different directions I did not expect. Well, and I appreciate that. Uh, uh, like a lot of things that we talk about, I really did not like the song. And then <laughs> you listen to it a bunch of times and you read about it and you're like, eh, it's actually, man, it's kind of good. Kind of fun. Now you're going to have a fun. special place in your heart for it. Yeah. So I don't know what we'll come up with next year. I mean, there are there are like a, some more Christmas songs that I think are really popular that are weird. So 
I think it goes without saying that this is an unlikely hit song because it has donkey sounds in it. I think that's yeah. really just which that's I, enough. I, I didn't do a ton of research to figure out if Lou was actually making those donkey sounds. If it, it was sure an actual sounds like donkey, it. if it was it kind of sounds like the the donkey sounds in uh It's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah. Yeehaw. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I didn't think about that. They just sampled It's a Wonderful Life. Well, it that would have come out before the song. Yeah, it's true. Interesting. Another conspiracy mm. around Dominic the Donkey. I didn't think <laughs> Although It's that. Wonderful Life is public domain, so they can use it if they want. Is it? Yeah, somebody forgot to copyright the film in the 70s, so you can do whatever you want with that movie. No shit. That's why you see so much merchandise and stuff, and so many theaters play it, and it's on TV all the time, because you can just do whatever you want. Oh, fascinating. It is always like, if you're watching a movie and they're showing another movie to showcase that it's Christmas time, that one's usually on. That's true. Yeah. yeah that is true. Wow. That makes sense. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah right. That and uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't put those in the same pantheon, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I think between now and Christmas, which is next week, uh, those of you listening, this will probably be closer to Christmas. Uh, I'm gonna, I might be listening to Dominic the Christmas Donkey a little more than I normally would. And I hope everybody is telling this tale or telling folks listening to this episode around the Christmas dinner table. I hope so too. And let's all raise a glass. Let's raise a glass of eggnog to. Luigi and Moshi uh, and all the five families uh, for their support of this Christmas classic. Hey, y'all, I wish we could all share a Sierra Nevada celebration together. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Theo. It's been a good year. And uh, after this episode, we'll see everybody in 2022 for year two of You Want a Hit. Let's go. That's a wrap on this episode of You Wanted a Hit. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Good luck getting that song out of your head. Please remember to subscribe so you know when the next episode is out. And if you listen on Apple, write a review, but only if it's nice. Follow us on Twitter at YWAHpod and let us know what you think. Or tell us what we missed by sending us an email at YWAHpod at gmail.com. And lastly, share with a friend if you had a good time. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Bible. And our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.